Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green and your host. Hey guys, welcome to another special podcast. And we have one of my favorite guests, uh, holistic psychiatrist, Dr. Ellen Vora, who's in a number of our classes at My Buddy Green, who's spoken at Revitalize. And, you know, when I was thinking of people to help navigate during this incredibly uh, difficult time, to say the least, and people I wanted to hear from and I thought you would want to hear from, Ellen is Ellen was top of mind. And so, again, be patient with us, guys. This, this is a new format where we're doing Skype. We're not in person. So be a little bit forgiving if you hear a little kids in the background. That, that's the reality of childcare in both Ellen and I's life right now. But uh, Ellen, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I'm really, I'm grateful that you guys are using your platform to offer up good information. Well, speaking of information, the the first question I've, I've been asking so many people is, you know, how are you doing? How, how are you managing all this? So how are you doing and how are you managing? Yeah, I'm very aware, especially today, of the spectrum of how this is impacting people. And I would say I'm above average in terms of how it's impacting me. Um, and I think that that's really, that was helpful for me to, to get real about today. Cause I was, I started to feel triggered actually, as I was looking at Instagram and you see a lot of posts right now, um, that are about like, here's how I'm passing the time in social distancing, people learning to knit and taking extra baths and meditating and, um, watching all of Netflix. And I just kept thinking to myself, ah, you don't have kids. <laughs> And so for our household, we're two working parents who can both work remotely. Our work hasn't slowed down, but our childcare is non-existent right now. So it's been a juggle. So I was feeling bad for myself. I was pitying myself. And then I stepped back and realized anytime you find yourself envying or resenting someone else, you realize you are in the enviable, resentable position from someone else's vantage point. And so I started to realize right now on the spectrum, there are some people who are impacted by this illness really severely. There will be people burying loved ones. There are people in healthcare at the front lines um, who are, I'm sure, very strung out right now and have their own fears and concerns for their own health. And then there are people with financial insecurity living paycheck to paycheck whose work is canceled right now, or people who could go to work but can't make it because their kids aren't in school, so they don't have childcare, um, and every other end of the spectrum. So just think about all the ways this is impacting people. And I think it's you know not to put any guilt burden on anybody, but for all of us to just recognize the ways we are okay and intact. I love everything you said, and, and guys, listening, you get you get the uh, <laughs> the real world real world implications of childcare. I could I could hear Jaya in the background. I yeah. love it. <laughs> I, I'll add that just before this uh, podcast, we became a Disney Plus family. We told Ellie her life was going to change, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, made a little pivot with regards to screen time with with. <laughs> With childcare and working from home, but yeah. you know, I'm glad you mentioned you know the NVPs and social media because it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole when you're bored. I've seen some posts on social p- people people were joking like you know, everyone's been watching. I think their screen time and using apps to track that, but like everything just went out the window, <laughs> and you find yourself scrolling on social and like, oh wow, well that person is 
is social distancing from this amazing house with all this property and I'm in New York and they're doing this and that. And, you know, I, for me, I think it's a bit of a balance on one hand, you know, you need to stay informed. You need to watch the news that that's so critical, but at the same time, you need to step away and too much, too much news can be, pretty bad and uh, pretty unnerving. And so what do you recommend for people who fall right back in that rabbit hole, social media, news feeds, and so forth? Like any tips for people struggling with that right now? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the, the first step is actually just sort of waking up and making conscious choices about our information diet. I think this has always been important, but it is the most important it's ever been right now to recognize um, like you want to choose a few trusted sources and you want to batch your information and you check in maybe once or twice, maybe three or four times a day. And then the rest of the time you close it down and you live in your life and um, not just glued to the media or to social media. And I think that it's, um, I think when you notice somebody sensationalizing, when you notice that people are really trying to prey on our tendency for fear, um, that's when I hit unsubscribe. And I am looking for the balance of gravity with the situation, with a kind of level-headed, calm outlook. And to me, that is, that's where I want to get my information right now because I don't need um, someone who has some financial incentive for me to tune in to amplify the stress. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I think of well-being, what's come up a lot in the podcast is the fact that, you know, there's a loneliness epidemic and the importance, the importance of social connection is paramount, especially with regards to our, our health and well-being and mental well-being. And now we've just entered like, boom, like that, the age of social distancing. And so any tips for people trying to manage social distancing in a way that's effective for our, our mental well-being? Totally. I mean, in certain ways, it actually makes me feel kind of hopeful because we've been doing an unexamined form of social distancing all this time, which is just that we're all kind of like slowly, gradually becoming cyborgs and you can sit in a room with your friends and still be looking at your phone. And so um, now it's happening in a really extreme and apparent form, but I think it helps wake us up about what's been going on. So I think that people should think creatively about how to connect. Um, use Zoom, have a Zoom dance party, use Google Hangouts. Today, the childcare was my daughter and her whole fours preschool class got together for story time on Zoom and parents took time, took turns reading stories to the group. Um, use, you know, like FaceTime, whatever makes sense for you. But also I want everyone to really notice the drive to connect. Um, it's something really like that video that went viral about people in, I think it's Siena, Italy, standing on their balconies and singing. Yes. Um, you know, it moved me to tears. You see the human drive to socially connect and that it's irrepressible. We can't just fully socially isolate. We have to connect with each other. Um, and so I think it's actually really healthy to notice the urge in yourself that notice the feeling of I want to be more connected to people. And I'm hopeful that when we are past this, that we'll sort of like burst out of the gates like racehorses and all go hug and 
connect and actually show up even more authentically, vulnerably, physically closer. I love that. And so, you know, look, there's a lot of anxiety right now. And like the worst thing you can say to someone who's anxious is, you know, be less anxious or don't be anxious. And myself who, you know, I've been fortunate. I've never really struggled with anxiety with the exception of, I've said this before, uh, I hate elevators. I'm a little claustrophobic, (laughs) but even I find myself a bit on edge and, you know, taking our hemp products multiple times a day, (laughs) you know, what, what can we do to help manage anxiety and you know is there something to be said for you know being a little anxious is a little appropriate as well Mm -hmm. i think there is something to be said for it so i guess i separate it out into a few parts one is all the fundamentals that we've always talked about before like on our previous episode and on my anxiety course like um the things that just help your nervous system not get ramped up um into a stress response so reducing caffeine prioritizing sleep early bedtime no phone in the bedroom which i think is more important now than ever because you don't want to see your unconscious with all of those thoughts right before you are about to sleep eating a nutrient-dense diet healing your gut keeping your blood sugar stable um, all those fundamentals really count right now i think it's also just really healthy to practice more of an acceptance rather than a resistance attitude towards our anxiety. So notice it, like notice when your breath catches, notice when your chest tightens, just notice it. And rather than spiral off in a, oh God, oh God, oh God, um, kind of dynamic with your anxiety, it's more like, okay, I'm noticing it happening, it's happening right now. Can I softly shift myself towards a deep breath? Can I softly just cradle myself and say, like, they're there, you know, of course you're anxious right now, it's okay. Um, But I think there's also a component to this, which is I've always thought about anxiety in terms of like true anxiety and false anxiety. And I think false anxiety is, um, you know, all the false moods we get into from caffeine and blood sugar crashes. This is a concept by Julia Ross, which I love. But then there's true anxiety, which is when we feel something um, in our guts, like something's not quite right. And that's not meant to be suppressed you know we don't want to medicate that away we don't we couldn't possibly breathing exercise that away if we tried and a lot of us are feeling that right now and it's appropriate um but it's more i think how you direct that how you channel that matters and rather than um just fueling a kind of uh like fire of anxiety is not going to help anything but you want to channel it i think for me what i found the best way is to get still and listen and basically try to see what i'm hearing from this anxiety what i'm hearing from what's going on in the earth right now and and basically listen and to put it a little bit um like like i'm kind of listening for the lessons or what's being asked of us to learn and how we are growing as a species from this but i also i'm just listening like it's pretty open-ended and listening for what my gut tells me, what my heart tells me, and what it feels like we're being asked to learn. So what does your gut, what does your heart, you know, what intuitively do you think we are learning from this? Where do you think we're going to come out? <laughs> I don't know. I think that um, I'm really trying to bridge between um taking this very seriously and honoring all the ways this will in a very heavy and profound way affect some people. And then also staying somewhat hopeful and unattached and basically that this is a shift on a kind of planetary level that seems to need to be happening. Um, 
So I'm not really resisting the reality of it, though I say that with like all, um, just like a bow to the ways that this is going to impact human lives. But I think that there's some shift afoot and it might be a correction. It might be, this might could be, this could be senseless. You know, this could be absolutely senseless and just awful, but this might be a correction on some level. It might have to do with how we connect. It might have to do with how we treat the planet. It might have to do with how we think of each other as separate and threats and how we're kind of coming together as a whole species um, to work together to solve a problem and to support each other. So I, I'm trying to be hopeful. So I'm curious from a mindset perspective, I, I think about it a couple ways in, in things I've read. My, my, my non-holistic psychiatrist point of view, mm-hmm. I, I remember reading about, I think it was Admiral Stockdale, who is a prisoner of war. And I think it was coined like the Stockdale paradox, where I want to say he was a prisoner of war for for years, and he made it and survived, and a lot of people didn't. And what he said was, essentially, he tried to be as optimistic as possible about getting out, but he didn't. He didn't create a deadline. He said the people who failed or ultimately didn't make it would say, you know, I'm going to be out of here by Easter. And then Easter would, would come and go. And then it would it would be demoralizing. And he just said, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm, I'm keeping my hope. And I thought that was so interesting. And this idea of, I don't know when this is going to end, but, but I'm going to get out of it. We're going to get out of it. And then on the other hand, you know, something I try to practice, and it's working for me today, <laughs> is this idea of just one day at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just take today. And, and try to see the forest through the trees. So one day at a time, I don't know when this is going to end. I think I have a sense of how this is going to play out in terms of timing, but I could be wrong. And then think about what's what's going to happen and how we're going to come out on the other side. And so I'm curious from like a psychiatrist perspective, like there are almost like two different ways of managing this. Like what does the psychiatrist say about about either the what I'm attempting to do and, and the 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 Stockdale I think it's a Stockdale paradox I think if I have that right um, what, what's your thought on both yeah I mean I think that it's always um, one of the most uh, difficult but mature things we can do is to kind of integrate and hold both opposing truths at the same time like right now this is a very one day at a time one step at a time next right thing kind of moment but I think that there is a lot to be said for um, surrender to basically um being asked to let go of some amount of control that doesn't mean you like you still do your best you still wash your hands you still socially distance you you do your best but then you also recognize some aspect of this is out of our control and you surrender to it and what i've learned even just um through my own life experiences with childbirth, with grief, is that um, when we're not okay, we actually really still are okay. Um, And even when the sort of worst case scenarios happen, we can still find a kernel of ways that we are okay. And I think that we are, we like to live in an illusion that we control anything. (laughs) I think Uh that, 
you know, it's kind of uh, a nice fantasy, but um, we're on a giant rock barreling through space all the time. And there's a lot of mysteries to this. And that actually doesn't make me feel more despairing. It makes me feel more hopeful that there's perhaps something here that's a great mystery that we don't totally get to understand. Um, so I think that something like this is asking for us to get comfortable or at least get curious and explore the feeling of surrender. And that's sort of like everyone with anxiety's worst nightmare. You know, it's sure. like they just want to control. Um, but, you know, you just play around with it. You, bit, you know, play around with it one concept at a time. But um, to basically surrender and trust and let anything that comes at you, both you recognize your strength and your ability to dynamically move with changing circumstances, but also to just see your okayness even in the face of great challenge. I love that. So it's a blend of realism, optimism, and surrender. Yeah. And so self-care is absolutely critical in a time like this. You know, what in your opinion is really important? What should we be doing to, you know, be taking care of ourselves, to be flexing those self-care muscles? Sleep, community, baths. <laughs> I think that... Um, you know, I was kind of big into making the point that we've all got carried away with self-care and that right now self-care itself has sort of become one more stressor, one more to-do list and thing to feel either virtuous or guilty about. Um, and, and what I was noticing is that so many of my patients were just too busy and too overwhelmed and self-care was one more thing to add to their day. And so I was kind of encouraging people to just do less right now for people who aren't struggling with um, childcare, who aren't struggling with um, kind of moment to moment um, way that their day has changed course for people that actually have a sort of calm, simpler life right now, which is a, you know, a, a sort of wedge of the pie at the moment. I think actually you can ramp up your self-care if you choose to, but things to focus on, I think, would be prioritizing sleep. And I think that means more than anything, not bring the phone into the bedroom. Try to shut down social media, news, everything that's putting your mind in a stress response as early as you can. Call it 9, 9.30, um, maybe even 8.30. And then crawl into your cozy bed and read something positive. Um, if you end the night with an Epsom salt baking soda bath, even better. And then um, prioritizing sleep, getting in bed early. And then I think the most important other dimension of self-care during the day is that we connect with people. Um, so getting on a Zoom call or a Google Hangout or a FaceTime or whatever it is. If there's people that are in your life that you're concerned about, that you care about, that you've been meaning to call for months, just make a point of doing it now. Um, and I think that there's something to be said for getting outside. That one maybe is a subject to change recommendation. But I think right now, at least in New York, where um, if you're not symptomatic, if you're not sick, if you don't need to be quarantined, I think if you can socially distance and be outside in fresh air and sunshine and ideally even nature, I think that that's beneficial for your own health, but also for your stress levels. 100%. A little nature bathing, if you can do it, is tremendous right now. Yeah. And, and so how can we reflect and and use this time for for growth in your opinion i think it's like a really personal process um for me i always know when um like <laughs> i don't know i feel like my my sort of divine whatever i connect to laughs at me and basically says ellen if you're not going to meditate i'm going to force you to and it makes <laughs> me not 
not sleep starting at like 4 a.m. And so, because it knows also that I'm really not a morning person. So it's like, okay, if you just wake up at 4 a.m. and you still can't fall back asleep by 5.30, then I know you will finally drag your butt into the living room and meditate. So that's what's been happening for me. And I've been sort of making lemonade out of that. And I show up to my cushion and I just get still and I listen. And I don't know yet, like I really don't have conclusions for myself. I certainly can't make conclusions for other people, but something feels very um, fertile right now about listening because there's a lot that's bubbling in my gut and um, I haven't really distilled out of solution what exactly are the conclusions. I'm feeling a draw, like there's something focusing on community there's something focusing on how we treat our planet. Um, for me, there's something about our relationship as humans to technology. And for whatever reason, I'm also just feeling kind of a like a pull towards simplification in life, like simplifying life. Um, that's what, those are sort of the themes that are coming up for me. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Any closing words for someone out there listening who's, you know, trying to navigate through all of this? I really feel for everyone. Um, no, there's really never been a time quite like this where we're really all in this together. And um, notice, recognize, appreciate that you're not alone. Um, and I think that if your anxiety is really spiraling, um, start to notice the things that make your breath kind of hook and tighten. And is it news? Is it social media? Is it emails from certain family members and very proactively set boundaries um, start to really nurture yourself and that doesn't mean you're going to be sort of cut off and oblivious to what's going on it's kind of impossible right now to live under a rock but choose consciously where you're getting information the quality of it and how much of it and then um, basically shut it down and turn to the people in your life that you love and just show up and connect I love it. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for being with us and thank you for all that you do. And guys listening, we, we have so much amazing content from Ellen on the site, including a previous podcast, a couple of classes, one on anxiety and sleep, which we'll leave all the, the links in the show notes. But uh, thank you, Ellen. And for everyone listening, thank you for, for tuning in. We're with you. We're here for you. Signing off with virtual hugs and lots of gratitude. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Ellen.